Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. All right. You guys are pretty crazy. I noticed all the uh, awesome dance moves and stuff up here. And the counselors, wow. This is like, this is week seven for them. And now they've got enough energy to get up on the stage and be like, yeah. You know what it is? It's they got their inner middle schoolers breaking out this week. Middle school week has always been, for the past five years, I've done it for five years straight, my favorite week. And last year, they started letting me come on this week where there's high schoolers too, and they're all right. But um, middle school, like phenomenal, 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 because you can take an army of middle schoolers and you could probably take over the world because you guys are crazy, right? You'll just be like, sure, let's do it. Let's take that wall down with our heads. Okay. You know, so I'm just saying, you're crazy and you're awesome, and I'm really glad to be here. So my family's with me. My daughter's in, um, she's up in Fort Roller. And her name is Leia, like Princess Leia. My son is sitting right back there. That's Luke. He's going into ninth grade this year. He's named after Luke Skywalker. That's not a joke. Some people ask me that. They're like, did you really do that? Yeah, I really did that. Anyways, um, my, my wife is back there. That's Debbie. In the ye- Don't raise your hand, Milk. Oh, she's pointing down. All right. So that's Debbie in the yellow. Um, that's my wife of almost 18 years. Yeah, I know. It's more of an accomplishment for her than me. I would stick with her forever, and she would just, uh, like, I'm just surprised she's still there. Anyway, so I told her if she uh, ever leaves me, then pack two bags, I'm going too, because so, we're in love. So anyways, <laughs> yeah, so we've been in a minivan all summer, and we've gone from, uh, we had a camp in North Carolina, and we were in Wisconsin for two weeks, and Minnesota for a week, and Ohio for a week. We were in Maryland earlier this summer, and then we had two weeks back to back here. So we've been home for five days. That's our summer. And when we get back next week, school starts. So that's kind of our thing. We, we just live in a minivan and, and have a lot of fun. But we love camps. And this is my all-time, don't tell the other camps, all-time favorite camp. All right? Absolutely. My mother-in-law went here in the 1960s. Yeah. It's an old camp. She's an old lady. All right. So anyways, and my brother-in-law worked here in the 1980s. He's, a lot old, he's like 10 years older than me. And uh, four years ago today, and it wasn't a Sunday night, it was a different, whatever today's date is, my Facebook feed reminded me this morning because it does these time hop things or whatever. My daughter was here and she like committed her life to Jesus four years ago today. So pretty cool day in the Garrett household. We're excited about that. And uh, so this week we're talking about beauty from ashes, taking beauty from ashes or taking bad things and doing great things with them, which we believe ultimately God wants to do in your life. But like some of the biggest questions I usually get from teens are, one, why why do bad things happen to good people? Like if there's really this sovereign God who can do anything, why do bad things happen to good people? And then why do good things happen to bad people? And that's probably an even better question. You look at somebody who's like living terribly and they're just mean people. They're a mean person and they like have all this money and they just, everything seems to be going right for them and they've got straight A's and, and they're the captain of the team and you're like, why is everything going right for him? He's the worst person on the planet. Anyway, so like both of those kind of, kind of mess with us. So the, maybe this illustration will help you kind of get that a little bit to kind of grasp that. So let me have... Let me have five people who are currently, at this moment, chewing gum. All right, you have gum, you have gum with you, and you're chewing gum. Okay, come here. All right, and who else? Who's, who's chewing gum right now? Come here. Yep, you. Are you just making that? You don't have gum in your mouth, do you? Yeah, you picked me up. Academy Award! All right, who's got gum in your mouth? Seriously. Yeah, for real. 
No, nobody's chewing gum? All right, come here. All right. You were here last week, so don't spoil this for me. You know what we're doing. Okay, where's the other people? Chewing gum. Come here. Yes, yes. Just come up here if you have gum. Don't wait for me to point at you. I need five people. Okay, here comes two, two more. One more person. Chewing gum currently. Who has gum? All right, come here. All right. All right, you guys stand right over here. Stand right over here. All right. So here's, here's what I'd like you to do. What, what flavor gum do you have? Uh, peppermint. Peppermint. Spearmint. Spearmint? Both of spearmint? Black cherry? What does that taste like? Is it crazy? No, it tastes like cherry. That's crazy. Okay, so I need you to totally trust me and just put, put your gum into my hand for a second. Yeah, yeah, totally trust me. Just right here. Come on, no, right here, right here. It's, it's okay, it's okay. It's going to make sense, it's going to make sense. Okay, so the black cherry spearmint thing is not a good combo. <laughs> now here's the thing. Here's one more, one more chance. It's not bad. The aftertaste is not bad. The deering chew is terrible. All right, this is a good way to catch mono. I don't advise that you do this at home or at camp. But when you're a guy this large, I'm six seven, so. Uh, Five pieces of gum is like a normal person's piece of gum because I got a giant mouth. All right, so the five of you guys, so you came up here, you had some kind of privilege that nobody else in here had, or at least didn't admit it. You had the fortitude and the, the wealth, because gum's expensive, to buy, to buy a piece of gum at some point this week. Or you have friends, and your friends are like, hey, I got some gum. I, I don't think both of you just happened to buy black cherry gum. Who gave... That was nice of you, all right? So you may be wondering to yourself, why in the world then, because that tasted, I tasted the black cherry overpowered the other stuff, by the way. That seems like you just put it in. That's pretty new gum, wasn't it? When, how long have you been chewing it? Just a minute? After the songs ended. Oh, that was, you just did this. And then I made you waste it. Which is, you just put yours in too? It's kind of messed up if you think about it. And you could get mad if you weren't like, so like, oh my gosh, he ate it. If you hadn't even noticed it, if I just made you spit it straight in the trash can, which is what I made the high schoolers do. And I'm like, okay, now you don't have any gum. Right, that, that can be messed up. And this is how life is. Life takes your gum and puts it in the trash can. Sometimes it chews it right in front of you. Life does that. And it can be in the form of all kinds of different things. It, yeah, you can have a seat for a second. I'm going to use you for just a moment. It can be in the form of many things. One, it could be your parents walking out on each other. And it's like everything was going fine. Like you had this fresh piece of gum, you could always count on everything, and then all of a sudden somebody just takes it from you, and everything that you knew and trusted just kind of fell apart. Or somebody you knew, um, you found out had cancer. Or like what just happened in my community yesterday. No, this morning really early. Sorry, this morning really early. There's a football player at our local high school in Mooresville, North Carolina, it was in the back of a pickup truck and fell out. And he got such bad brain, brain trauma that his organs right now as we're talking are shutting down and he's about to die. And he's loved in the community. 
He's on that football team. He's got tons of friends. There are kids in my youth group at church that know him. And I, here I am here, not even able to help, like miles and miles away. And this is going on. And I've seen that kind of stuff happen over and over again. Life just reaching in and taking your gum. And if we're not careful, we can direct. We don't have, we have those questions. We direct all of them towards God. And we're like, where are you at? What are you doing? And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. No, let me have five people real quick. Let's just call them this row. All right, you guys come here a second. You're not chewing gum, right? You didn't let me down earlier, right? You're not chewing gum. Stand over here, right here. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, it's up here. I brought you guys something. It's a, it's a fresh stick of gum. See, there's other times life comes in and it says, these guys did nothing to deserve this. They didn't, they didn't buy gum. They didn't prepare they didn't go to the convenience store on the way here. I, maybe you did, but you forgot to buy this, or you didn't have some with you, or you left it in your cabin where you're staying, and you're like, now we have gum, and the haves no longer have, and you are now the haves who are formerly the have-nots, and that's what life does, and you can look, we can get bitter about it, but typically, you don't like blame the actual source for this, which is me. <laughs> um, we, 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 we like take our blame to a higher authority, and we're like, what is he doing up there? I thought he was controlling everything. What's going on? I want to dispel that myth for a second. This myth that everything, everything happens for a reason. And people say that. Well-meaning people who love God say everything happens for a reason. You go through something tragic, like losing your gum, not really, like losing somebody with cancer, or like those guys are going through who are just losing that football player right now, or the shootings that have occurred in the last two days. And we look at that kind of stuff going on. If you haven't been following the news, there's been two mass shootings in the past couple days. Terrible stuff. And we look at that and we, we take that blame and we kind of point it at God instead. And we're like, I thought you were sovereign. And we're going to actually talk about God being sovereign tonight, which means all-powerful, right? So why haven't you done something about these things? And we take it there, okay? So how do you guys feel? You're going to have to yell out real good because you don't have a microphone. How do you feel about having a piece of gum when you didn't have a piece of gum before? Pretty good. Pretty good? You feel kind of like, wow, we kind of lucked out. Pays to sit on the front row. I could have randomly taken y'all as well, but I didn't, and you have no gum. All right, so if, if you guys want to go have a seat real quick again, we see how you feel about it. Okay, now, now you guys, my lovely people who used to have gum and don't have gum anymore, at least you're still smiling at me. I was kind of worried somebody's going to be really, really angry, all right? Huh? Are you? What if I call you back up as a volunteer for something unrelated in a second? No, I'm just kidding. So, but if you didn't have any gum, you still have two packs, you still have another piece. I didn't know that, or I would never use you for this illustration. But if you didn't have any more, that was your last gum for the week. Like, how would you feel about what I just did? Disgusted because I chewed it first, Yeah. Yeah, I have to add something. You guys saw this last week. I have to add something fun. And plus, I need some gum. Yeah, so I'm going to give you another piece of gum because I'm not heartless. But here's the thing. Life wouldn't give you, this is not black cherry, so if you, you can give it to a friend if you want to. All right, I'll give it to, you want it though. Okay, this is, this is that piece of gum nobody wanted. And this is for that row that I could have called up that was kind of mean to a second ago. All right, this is, this is all of it. You, though, if you sniff this really hard, it smells like spearmint. Okay, I'll do it. Ah, okay, you guys can have a seat real quick. Give them a big hand, both groups. 
see, we're going to look at this passage this week, and it's a 3,500-year-old passage in Scripture. And sometimes people can be like, wait a minute, we're going to look at this old book that's thousands of years old? Are you telling me, Nate, that this is going to tell me something I can use today, like in 2019? Old, stuffy book. Yes, I am. It's, it's been around for a long time, and it has never let me down, and it has been helping people for centuries, for thousands of years, teaching us new stuff. And so this prophet said this thing. Now, here's the thing about the passage we're about to look at. We're going to see it in the Old Testament, which is like thousands of years old, and then we're going to see it in the New Testament, which is about 2,000 years old. The same words over and over again, and here's why. Because once a prophet named Isaiah wrote this down, and then years and years later, Hundreds of years later, Jesus is standing in a synagogue, which is like a church um, in that, back in that day, and he asks for a scroll to read, and they hand him this scroll, and he only chooses to read the portion I'm going to read to you in a second. It's longer, and we're going to look at more of it this week, but today we're just going to look at this first part. It's found in Isaiah 61, and then we're going to see how Jesus deals with it, which is pretty cool how he deals with it, because he relates it to what we're talking about. Why are bad things happening to some people? Why do good things happen to other people? Like, where is all this coming from? And you just told me, Nate, that everything doesn't happen for a reason. Now, here's the everything that if something happens, it happened for a reason, but it didn't happen in the way that people mean it when they say it. When I say, oh, you tell me like your grandma's dying of cancer, I'm like, everything happens for a reason. It does not come for you. You want to punch me in the face because you are just feeling pain. Because your grandma's dying, and I'm like, everything happens for a reason. The Lord is smiling, you know, and you're just like, I'm going to punch you in the mouth, Nate, because I'm in pain right now. Now, everything does happen for a reason. The reason your grandma might would have had cancer the way mine did, I preached three of my grandparents' funerals. The reason that your grandma might have cancer the way mine did is because of environmental circumstances around her. My grandma had lung cancer, and she, she, uh, cleaned my grandfather's clothes, like by hand back in the day, and he worked with asbestos, which leads to lung cancer, and it was like poofing up in the air as she would throw this stuff into the wash tub and all that, and that's why she had it, and that's why he died of lung cancer. It could be genetic, that everybody in your family, as long back as possible, has had this type of cancer, or maybe it's lung cancer because somebody was smoking. It, there's all kinds of reasons that something happens. So yes, everything happens for a reason, but it doesn't mean that God's over here like, oh, a little bit of cancer here, a little bit of heartbreak here, a little bit of backstabbing in the friendship here, a little bit of divorce for this family. He doesn't do that. But we do. And when we hurt each other and when we make decisions, those decisions trickle down to other people. It's this great and terrible gift that God gave us. Great because he came up with it. It was awesome. Terrible because we misused it, and it's called free will. And my free will can allow me, Jude right here, I see your name tag, it can allow me to run up and slap him in the face, all right? It could also allow him to run up here and slap me in the face, you know? And neither one of those things would be good, and it would affect the other person. And neither one of those things would be God's fault, right? I'm going to slap you, sorry, that's from the Lord. You would not believe that. But when we're in the midst of situations that are bad and terrible in our life, sometimes we do think that. Now, could God have stopped my hand? I'd be like, Lord, yes, he could have. But he doesn't always choose to because if he interferes with free will and every single thing goes right for every single person ever, no one will ever realize that they were created for something more. Everything will be fine. And when everything's fine, we don't look for answers. 
I don't believe that God does terrible things to us, so we'll look. But sometimes I believe that for some reason, he doesn't always reach in and stop terrible things from happening. And we inflict them on ourselves, and it trickles down to other people too. Well, here's what Isaiah wrote. We're just going to look at the first two verses tonight. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. All right, sovereign means all-powerful. So if you've ever heard that prayer, God is great, God is good. Now we thank him for our food. By his hands we all are Fred. Fred. We're not all Fred, just Fred is Fred. We all are fed. Give us now this daily bread or something to that effect. Anyways, that's deep. It's really deep, the beginning of it. God is great, that means he can do everything. He's sovereign and he's good, which means he always does the right thing. He's both of those things. And sometimes when we have that question, why do bad things happen to good people? It's like, well, is God all-powerful, and he's just not all-loving, and that's why he's not stopping my pain? Or is he all-loving, but he's not all-powerful, and he wants to stop my pain, but he can't? And the thing is, he's all-powerful, and he's all-loving. And he still, as a sovereign Lord, does not choose to stop every bad thing from happening. We were never designed to go through pain without the help of Jesus. We weren't designed for it. We can't handle it. So when somebody says, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that before? That's not in the Bible, by the way. There's something similar in the Bible about temptation, that God will never let you go through more temptation than you can handle. He'll always give you an escape hatch. He'll give you a route out of it. You can say no in this situation, that you will never have to choose the wrong thing. We just sometimes do, right? But this whole God will never give you more than you can handle is not true. There's so much I've been through in my life that I really can't handle on my own. and That's why I need him. So he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. And they would anoint people with like oil back in the day if they were going to be a king or a prophet or something like that. He said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe not poor monetarily or maybe you are poor when it comes to that. But you just feel poor, like you don't have the friendships or the, you don't have the uh, two parents like somebody else who might live next to you or whatever, and you just feel poor in that area. He says that he's going to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. Maybe you're in that situation. You come in this week, and you just feel brokenhearted. Somebody has hurt you. Somebody has let you down. To proclaim freedom for the captives. Freedom for the captives. What are you a captive to? Are there things you're doing that you feel like you can't escape from, that you constantly find yourself falling into over and over again? Release from darkness for the prisoners. Like, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. I can't figure out what's beyond my hand here, and I just need to see a little further. He says, I want to help you with that. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. We're going to stop there and then look at the New Testament version of this for a second. Wait a minute. Favor of our God Favor of the, excuse me, the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of God? Why are those two things together? <laughs> Why, God's smiling, God is angry. Like, what, what is the thing there? This was a positive way when it said the day of vengeance of our God, because a lot of times we've been hurt, and we're like, come on, we need justice. And he was like, the Lord's mercy is coming, and so is his justice. That's what he's saying. Is there a wasp on my shirt? Oh. Where'd he go? Step on it, please. Thank you. You can't freak out. Just got to take it slow. Why did bad things happen to that wasp? He landed on the wrong shoulder. 
What in the world? For my next trick, a rabid squirrel will be biting my leg tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. I'm so glad he didn't sting me before I stung him. That's got to hurt. Can you imagine a fist the size of your body? Just like, boo-boo. You just get flicked across, across the valley here. Hey, I want to go to the pool. I'll send you. Sploosh. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Wow. That's not good for my ADD. Where was I? Oh, yeah, the New Testament. So Jesus is standing there, right? He's standing there in the book of Luke. He asks for a scroll. The scroll is longer. We're not going to read it all tonight. The stuff I just read you was just the beginning portion. Jesus takes it, and typically they'll read the whole scroll. They'll be like, all right, settle in, folks. We're going to read the whole scroll. Sometimes it's like, to be continued, give me the other scroll. Jesus reads like almost nothing, and he does it on purpose, and everybody gets who he's talking about. And after he gives them back the scroll, he continues talking and explaining what he means. He talks about this prophecy because it's a prophecy and they hadn't seen it come true yet because he was the one it was prophesied about. When Isaiah said it, it wasn't about Isaiah. So it says in Luke 4, Jesus returned to the Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went in the synagogue. That was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written. So he looks specifically for this little line about himself, and he says this. And you ever get it when somebody's like reading something, but they're like obviously about themselves? I mean, if you opened a book somewhere and be like, and he was the most awesome man who lived. People know you're not like, taking it from the story, you're just placing it on yourself. So he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he doesn't bring up the vengeance of our God like justice coming in because that's going to happen later. But this is what Jesus is here for. He's like, I'm here to help. I know you can't do this on your own. This is who I am. And he puts it away. And if we were to read the rest of the passage, I'm going to kind of summarize it for you. Jesus says, I know what you're going to say to me, guys, because I'm in my hometown. I get it. You're going to say, well, then heal people and heal yourself. You've been doing it in other places. Do some magic. Do some cool stuff, Jesus. Like, I want want to see you do some of these miracles we've heard about. Why won't you do them here? And then he says that it's not always done everywhere. Let me tell you two examples from hundreds of years ago. Jesus says in Elisha's day, and he was a prophet, just like Isaiah was, who wrote the original prophecy here. He said in Elisha's day, they had this big famine, this drought. It wasn't raining anywhere. There were a lot of really hungry people. And there were a lot of widows who didn't have husbands. Back in the day, husbands did, like, they went out and actually earned all the money and stuff, even though the wives did most of the work. <laughs> they carried like giant water pots in their head and stuff. It wasn't like they were just sitting around. They were doing awesome stuff. But without a husband in that society, people would become impoverished. And he said there were a lot of widows who didn't have any food during that drought. But there was one widow that Elisha blessed. She fed him when there was only enough food left to feed her and her son. And they would have died after that. And he asked to be fed. And so she made it for him instead. And then he said, God is saying to you, that your, your flour and your oil that you're using will not run out until this famine's over. 
you will not starve. And Jesus said, God did that for her, but there were a lot of other people who were still suffering. She wasn't even Jewish, like the rest of the people he was talking to. All the others in Israel he could have helped, but he didn't. And he said there was another time, you know what leprosy is? Leprosy is a skin disease. We don't have it in this country. Like, it's really rare. If you, come, you can't come into this country if you have leprosy, people are going to, like, notice that. So it's such a bad skin disorder and affects your nerves and everything. People start to lose their fingers and toes and ears and nose and stuff. All right? So you can kind of tell when somebody has a leprosy. But just because somebody didn't have a nose, don't assume they don't have leprosy. All right? Don't. Hey, you know, but, I mean, it's, it's very contagious. So if I had leprosy and I, like, touched you or whatever, you could get leprosy too. So they would make people stand outside the city and be like, unclean, unclean, you know, and hold up a sign that they're unclean or whatever. They'd have to ring a bell depending on the society they lived in. ding a ling ice cream man. That's not the ice cream man. Get back in the house, kids. You almost lost your ears. You'd never hear the ice cream man again. You know, that could happen. And lepers, like it was, they had to live in little leper colonies away from it. And I'm not saying leopard, by the way, even though they still got spots in their skin. And they had to live in leper colonies by themselves and nobody could talk to anybody. And Jesus said there were even a lot of lepers in that day, but there was one guy who was a Syrian. He wasn't even, he wasn't even part of our country. And he had leprosy and he was told by a prophet to go and dip seven times in a pretty dirty river, and he would be clean. And at first he didn't want to, and his servants were like, do it. What have you got to lose? And he goes, and he's like, one, two. At seven, he gets up, and it's like his whole skin like, comes back to normal and stuff. If he had any fingers off, we're not told if he did, they grew back. I mean, he looked exactly like he did before leprosy, the Bible says. And he... And he Jesus said God chose to heal him and not everybody else. And they got really angry when he said that, even though these are stories from the Bible. And they believed the Bible. Because he was saying, look, I'm not going to just do miracles here. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to set captives free. I'm here to do something deeper. I'm not here to get rid of all the symptoms of the disease on this planet. I'm here to attack the root of the disease. And the reason bad things happen on this planet is because the planet's not perfect anymore. That wasp could have stung me. Maybe I would have noticed before you, and I would have just screamed and ran down the aisle. Or if I was allergic, died, you know? It could have happened. And the only reason it could happen is because we're on an imperfect planet where you can get stung by bees. Where you, and he's not really technically a bee. It's in the ant family. I know some of you are going to be like, actually. <laughs> Anyways, I know, I know. Before you get in your scientific hula you. Anyways, it could have stung me. I could get poison ivy this week. It could happen to me. You know, bad things can happen to you. You could fall off a horse. You could get hit by a paintball, and you probably will. Okay, if you're in a paintball. If you're on a horse and you get hit by a paintball, camps are overlapping, back up. Bad things can happen. And our parents can, our parents can walk out on us. Cancer can happen. Our friends that we once had as friends can turn their back on us. All of this junk can happen because the world is not perfect. Natural disasters happen because the world is not perfect. Even the climate is not perfect. All of this stuff is happening because we live in a world that has been tainted by something called sin. 
I know that's a real churchy word, and if you haven't been to church or you just heard Christians or supposed Christians on TV rail about it or you've been to some event where some guy had a bullhorn and a sign, that's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about choosing our way over God's way. When we choose our way over God's way, it's sin. It just means simply, it's an ancient archery term that means to miss the mark. You'd have this other guy standing down there, a very brave guy, standing down near the target, because they could be really bad shots and kill him, but he was usually a servant, and so he's willing to do this for almost nothing. And he would yell whether they hit the bullseye or whether they missed. And if they missed, rather than be like, hey, you missed, because that takes a while, he's just like, sin! And this is before we called it sin, like sin, sin here, where it was translated as the word sin. It's just an ancient archery term that means you missed the mark. And it still means you missed the mark when the Bible talks about it. The mark is perfection, and there's nobody here who is, and there's nobody who's ever lived who is except Jesus. And so we're going to get a little bit more into that as we go through this week and talk about how he came to save us from that stuff, to free captives, and why he came to do that. But if we look at our current struggles and we try to say, why isn't he stopping this thing, he would respond to us. I want to help you through it. Not take it from you necessarily, but help you through it. You ever heard of David, the guy who killed Goliath? David and Goliath, you heard of that? Okay, so he was also, he wrote a bunch of songs. We call them psalms, all right? But they are songs. And he wrote one, the most famous one he ever wrote was Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing or I shall not want, if you know the old English. And, And he talks about all this stuff he's doing during the day as if God is a shepherd. Then he says... Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, I've got a protector with me. He doesn't say, thank you, God, for taking me around the valley of shadow of death. Now that I follow you, it's a shame for those people. No, he says, I still walk through it. As a follower of God, I still walk through this valley of the shadow of death, and I don't have to be afraid because God's with me. He is my protector. The thing about walking with shadows, have you ever noticed if you're walking, if you're walking uh, away from the light, you're walking away from the sun, your shadow is huge. You know what I mean? And the shadow can look big. And the further we get from God, the more we look at all the bad happening in our life, the bigger it can seem and the more likely it can seem like it'll never go away. But if we're walking towards God, our shadows start, they may still be long and they may still be big and everything, but we don't see them anymore. Because we just see his light, and it's at our back. That's how he takes us through that kind of journey in life. And we're going to explore that as we get through this week. And I know we're going to have a lot of fun together and hang out together as well. We're going to do some hanging out tonight just a little bit. Let me pray for you guys, and then we'll bring up what we're going to do next. We'll have some announcements about that. God, I thank you so much for each and every guy and girl here. Lord, I ask that you would just um, teach us this week. As we look at your word, teach us what we need to know about you, Lord, that you are really here with our best interest at heart. You're not not excited when we go through pain. You hurt with us. Your word says that you are close to the sorrowful, that you have compassion for us, and that you want to walk through anything that we go through with us. Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us here. I don't think it's a mistake that the exact students are in this room for this specific week. You knew about it before eternity passed and before we were even 
like created God, you knew about each person what our name would be, where we would live, that we would come to RVR for week seven in 2019. So Lord, I pray that you would meet us here, that no one would leave without understanding this week that there is a God in heaven who really, really deeply loves us. And that we get to meet you firsthand. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.